Welcome to the World Art Now podcast, exploring the world through the material culture of its people, in association with Michael Backman Limited. Hi, it's Michael Backman, and I'm here with Paul Bromberg. Paul is uh, a resident, longtime resident in Bangkok. Uh, he's the author of a fantastic new book on Thai silver called Thai Silver and Yellowware, published by River Books. He is also the serving editor of the Journal of the Siam Society and a contributing editor to Arts of Asia magazine, which is a long-running magazine based in Hong Kong, which is a fantastic resource for collectors and academics worldwide. Now, Paul um, is a collector of, of Thai bencherong and uh, Thai uh, ceramics made in China for, for the Thai market, as well as a collector of, of Thai silver. and. Um, he spent a lot of time researching and, and writing this new book. So I'm very pleased to welcome Paul to, to the gallery. And I'd like to start by asking you, how did you become interested in Thai silver? Hey, Michael, thank you very much. It's very nice to be here. Um, I really became interested, first of all, because of my, my wife, Surapan, who um, has long admired Thai silverware. And, and we started off uh, originally collecting Thai sandalwood Buddhas and then uh, Ben Jurong, as you as you mentioned, and it just gradually became I became attracted to the designs on the on the on the Ben Jurong, uh, and those are mirrored in in Thai silverware. So that was mm. really the the starting point, and that's probably about fifteen years ago. Would you say that Thai silver is is quite unique in in Southeast Asia? I, w- I wouldn't say it's unique. Um, there's a lot of overlap between uh, Burmese, Cambodian, Lao and Thai silverware, maybe even with some Vietnamese. Um, originally, the, the silverware from the north of Thailand, from the Lana uh, area, which extended from the Shan states all the way across northern Thailand into the, the north of Laos, what is present-day Laos, uh, is famous for the repousse uh, and and chasing of the of the large uh, ritual bowls that were yes. used um, mm. uh, right across that area, um, and then of course you had the influx of Chinese silversmiths um, starting in the early 19th century and then again in the mid 19th century, and so there was much more Chinese influence, uh, and again that 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 happened all the way from Thailand across to Cambodia and Vietnam. So you see uh, Thai, inf- uh, sorry, Chinese influence in silverware in, uh, in those three countries. And these are Chinese who came into these countries and settled. Correct. And they might have been second or third generation Chinese and, and so on. And, and I think many came into Bangkok, didn't they? Yes, and settled. a lot came into Bangkok, but they also moved all over, all over the country. Yes, yes. Um, and settled in, in just about every city in, in Thailand yes. at the time. Yes, and so would you say that most of the, uh, the Thai make by say the early 20th century were, were ethnic Chinese? Uh, I would think that the majority were. Um, I mean one of the problems for Thai silverware um, has been the uh, the disappearance of the silversmith over mm. the last hundred plus mm. years and that was due to, to a number of reasons. We know we know from historical sources that um, there was probably a silversmith in just about every village in Thailand and Cambodia. What was uh, Siam before, but right. Thailand, Laos, Cambodia, in the old, and probably and Burma even today. But those people have disappeared um, for two reasons, really. One is that obviously silver was a precious metal, and 
demand for precious metal comes and goes. Mm. Um, in good times, there's more demand, and, and uh, after a recession, uh, there's less demand, but also because um, people don't want to do that business anymore. They don't want to, 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 to learn that, yes. that skill. Yes. Uh, the, the, the youth of today would much rather work in an air-conditioned office or factory uh, <laughs> rather than sitting in, a, in a, 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 a small atelier with noxious fumes, uh, uh, and which is yes. very hot. So um, I think that the, the skill set has disappeared right across Southeast Asia some parts of Burma and Cambodia, probably the, the last few remaining uh, bastions of, of yes. silversmithing. Yeah. So therefore, if, uh, if the skills have disappeared, do mm. we now have a problem with faking, do you think? or Not, not with good faking. No. Uh, there, good. There, there are some reproductions that, that mostly I would say of Cambodian animal boxes. Oh, yes. Um, yes. They're very see, common now. <laughs> yes, they're very yes. common. And, and many of those have been produced yes. in the last 10, 15 years. But really, yeah. uh, the, the original boxes were produced, yes. I would say, between about 1910 and 1960. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, for other types of Thai silverware, you do see some bowls that are being reproduced mm. in Burma, mm -hmm. um, and then you, they come up for sale in, in shops in Chiang Mai. Mm. But generally, um, I don't think the demand is there either. People, unfortunately, don't have the uh, patience to sit and clean silverware these days. <laughs> yes, yes. I Indeed. Uh, and originally, what, what sort of forms of silver were being produced? Uh, what, what sort of items were, were, okay. was in demand? Okay, well, utilitarian and uh, those for ritual purposes. Mm. So utilitarian wares, mostly for very wealthy people, yes. uh, and obviously the palace. Um, the, depending on, on one's rank in the palace, uh, you, one might use gold, golden wares, but uh, silver was probably the, 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 the precious metal of, of choice, especially for banquets uh, or for official ceremonies. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but in the temple, um, you know, silver and gold have both been uh, spiritual metals. Uh, they have been, and silver again, the preferred metal of choice because it's 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 cheaper than gold, um, but um, I, I, and probably less blingy, if that's the right word. Um, but um, I think that uh, silver has a long tradition of being used in ritual ceremonies. Do you think silver is associated with the moon in the way that it was in South America? Well, it's the luminescence. Yes, yes, yes I yes. think so. And that again has uh, a spiritual Indeed. or sacrosanct. Yes. Um, yes, it does in Hinduism, yeah. uh, which of course has a lot of influence on Thai Buddhism. Yeah. Mm. So you mentioned that uh, a lot of the clients uh, originally were, were palaces and, and uh, the royal families and so on, and I suppose that was a huge client base because uh, sure. the Thais were, were famously polygamous, uh, and we know from the King and I and so yeah. on how many wives and how many children the King had, and, and, and then of course each of these princes would have a, a, his own or a, a palace and so on, and mm. they'd have children and, and so on. So I suppose each of these little families and subfamilies and so on would require their own regalia and their own beetle sets and, and, and so they, on. And they would, yeah, indeed, and they would have 
their own artisans producing mm. um, for their own court because mm. Siam was made up of or, or comprised a number of vassal states. Uh, mm. And so each of those states would be producing not only uh, articles for their own court, but also tribute gifts to send to, to send to say Bangkok or maybe to China, depending yes. on on the status on yes. their status. But obviously, um, w uh, with the end of the absolute monarchy in in Thailand in 1932, um, th that was a period where. Um, it was it was the death knell for many of these artisans because there was simply no no more market or, um, for uh, expensive luxury goods. Right. And then obviously with the uh, and that was right on the heels of the Great Depression, which also had an impact on Thailand. And then shortly thereafter, you had the Second World War. Yes. So those three things had a massive yes. impact yes. on on the on the silver industry, which really only came back. Uh, in the 1960s in right, Thailand right. with the advent of the tourism industry plus the arrival of American troops looking for ah, souvenirs yes, yes, yes. And, and so there was suddenly demand for right. uh, silver knick-knack souvenirs uh, again and, and, and that was really a boost but unfortunately um, those times have now gone again and so the, the number of silversmiths who are operating uh, around the country is really just uh, you mm. know probably a few handfuls. So what's the current market like for, for antique Thai silver? Uh, is, it, is it very robust at the moment? Well I think it's quite robust as a result of my as a result <laughs> of my book. Yes. Uh, having having uh, hopefully created mm. more information about mm. what is Thai silver. Mm. Um, but but even prior to that, yes, the market for antique silver has been quite strong over mm. the last 10 to 20 years. You know, a lot of people outside of Thailand didn't know what Thai silverware was. Mm. They often would confuse it with straits, silverware, oh, yes, yes. monya silverware. Or even mainland Chinese. Or even some mainland mm. Chinese silverware. Mm. Um, so I think now people outside of Thailand were more familiar with Burmese and Indian silverware. Obviously people in in Britain would have been because mm. India and and and, uh, and also Malay silver, India, Burma, Malaya, were were British colonies, whereas Thailand never was colonised. So there's less silverware available in Britain and probably in in in, in Americas than in um, than than you find uh, Indian and. Burmese and Malay silverware. Yes, I think that's true. It, it seems the main source in the West of, of good quality antique Thai silver probably was diplomatic gifts given by the Thai court Correct. Uh, to, to diplomats, uh, Western diplomats and so on. So today when these objects turn up at auction, uh, the prices can be astronomic. Yeah, I mean, mm. uh, last year um, there was an auction in Ireland uh, with a very large uh, Nielo tray, mm. uh, and it sold for thirty thousand euros, yes. uh, which you know seems like a lot of money, but w but in Thailand would would probably sell for even more. Right, and it, right. you know it was a royal tray. It was very you know perfect condition. So you know prices clearly are up, and people know what you know because of the internet. <coughs> uh, mm. People can find these things mm. uh, even in the re in remote corners of the world. Indeed, indeed.
Yes, I think in, uh, in your book, uh, and I think it's a piece that you might have actually, there's an important thing that you sourced in South America. Correct. That was, that was a, I think it's an important water pot, a silver water pot with Chinese designs, floral designs, and I think there were squirrels and birds on it. And it was found in Buenos Aires. And the reason that it's such an important piece is because it has a, a date on it of 1889 yes. uh, for the uh, Universal Exhibition that took place in Paris. Mm. And mm. it was clearly produced for the Thai Pavilion mm. uh, in Paris at this, uh, the, the precursor of the World Trades Fair, yes. or what is what now World Expo. Mm. And uh, it was... Um, this World's Fair had the aim of showcasing uh, articles produced in each country that participated for sale. And so this water pot was produced as a Thai silverware um, for sale, and obviously uh, it sold to somebody and then ended up in, in Buenos Aires. Yes, yes. Um, it, has a, it has a French customs uh, right, mark right. on it to show that it was imported uh, into France first, right. but it is really one of the very few items that you find with a with specific date yes, on it. Yes, yes. You must have been astonished to walk into an antique shop in Buenos Aires yeah. and to see a Thai water pot. Unfortunately, <laughs> like unfortunately, I wasn't the person. Oh, oh, I wasn't the person oh. who, who who found it. I, <laughs> I, I, the beauty of of working with dealers is that yes. um, you can ask them to keep an eye out for you. And I certainly, when I saw the pictures that he sent me. Um, I was amazed because it is a very special item. Um, it also bears a, the mark of, of Tanyuacha, who um, is, um, I, call, I call this um, uh, atelier the Cartier of Bangkok because right. just about everything that I've ever seen produced by Tanyuacha whether he was a single person or uh, it was a factory of, of silversmiths based in Bangkok. Yes. Um, everything they've produced is really of the highest uh, quality. Mm. And that actually is an important point that a lot of Thai silver has a, a Chinese ideogram on the base mm. uh, because, uh, again, as we mentioned, uh, they were made by local Chi Chinese, Sino-Thai mm. uh, silversmiths. But there's a lot of confusion today that uh, people will see a, an article of, of uh, Thai silver, but see that the Chinese marks on the base, and then assume it's Chinese, Chinese. export silver. Yeah. So often these things are missold or miscatalogued, and, and and so on. Even in museums, uh, I think. Well, I think the whole Chinese export um, market and the debate over what was Chinese export, where uh, you know, is is debatable, and uh, uh, there is a, a strong argument that a lot of Chinese export ware, whether porcelain or other wares, were actually made for the domestic market. Uh, and then subsequently people uh, who were traders in Guangzhou saw these things and liked them and, and decided to buy them for sale in uh, Europe or the Americas. With the, with the silverware, um, the Thais were buying Chinese porcelain. Uh, they were not able to manufacture porcelain, therefore mm. they, they sent the designs of what they wanted uh, and they were made in China and then uh, uh, exported to Thailand uh, to order. But with silver it was slightly different. We know for a fact that in the early 19th century uh, we have records of some very wealthy uh, members of the aristocracy ordering silverware from China. Mm. But 
uh, after the influx of these uh, large influx of Chinese immigrants, including silversmiths, uh, there were two major waves of immigrants. One was at the very beginning of the 19th century, uh, and again, when, when they needed workers to help build Bangkok. Mm. And then, uh, again, in the mid-19th century with the Taiping Revolution, uh, which killed something like 20 million people, it displaced uh, many more people, and a lot of people decided to, to leave China. Mm. Uh, and again, they may have fa had family members uh, based in Southeast mm. Asia, or further afield, so they, they, they emigrated. So with all these people, there were a certain number of artisans um, and silversmiths. And so uh, many uh, emigrated first to Singapore, the Straits uh, settlements, and then moved to Bangkok in the early 20th, in the early 20th century. Yes. So um, clearly there was no need to place those orders to China when you had uh, artisans who were quite capable of producing the highest quality products uh, locally. Absolutely, yes. And particularly when you had uh, such a large uh, court system mm. and, and such a, a local royal demand for this, it only, it, it's common sense that uh, you would have had uh, artisans absolutely capable of producing this quality of work in Bangkok itself. Yeah, and, we, and, <clears throat> and there are a number of examples of, um, of really fantastic articles that have royal insignia mm. on them, some of which can be dated because of deaths uh, or if they were made as cremation gifts right. uh, yeah. or funeral gifts. Mm. And, and so clearly those also were, were produced on a large scale and would not have been made overseas. And again, you know, it, it, of course, by the late 19th century, there was a lot of travel backwards and forwards between uh, uh, Thailand and China. But it was still not very safe. The junk trade, you know, there was there were there was a high percentage of uh, of loss of, yes, of, of ship course. sinking. Yes, yes. And so, um, you know, it was oh. it would have been a great risk to send uh, a precious metal um, in in any quantity in in, uh, in in junks. Whereas with porcelain at that time, yes, they were luxury goods, but mm. they didn't have any great intrinsic value such as silver or gold. Indeed, indeed. No, no, you're exactly right. It just simply would not have made sense to export it, <clears throat> particularly across those seas in, in mm. large numbers. Um, well, thank you very much, Paul. It's been absolutely fascinating. And uh, again, the book, Paul's book, is called Thai Silver and the Yellowware, published by River Books. And uh, it's hardcover, uh, full of images and, and so on, and, and lots of wonderful detail. And many of the items have never been published before. It's a fantastic book. Thank you again, Paul. It's been really enjoyable. Thank you, Michael. It's been a pleasure being here today. You have been listening to the World Art Now podcast in association with Michael Backman Limited. To hear more, visit worldartnow.com.